This is the Youth Worker Collective Podcast. We have your back with everything from games, lessons, and coaching. YouthworkerCollective.com. Welcome to the Youth Worker Collective Podcast. I'm Jeremy Steele, and I am here today with Sam Taylor Gochi. Uh, and uh, he is an incredible youth worker um, working not in a church uh, right now, but with uh, another organization. So, Sam, would you tell us uh, who you are and where you're serving right now? Yeah. So, hey, my name is Sam Gochi. I am the campus director at Servants in Faith and Technology, uh, or CFAT for short, located in Lineville, Alabama. Um, we're a faith-based nonprofit, uh, and we have 176 acres here in Lineville, and I'm in charge of it. So that's what I'm doing now. <laughs> yeah. And you guys, uh, you guys train people from all over the world. And in the summer, you have, uh, it, you have, teenagers there for a camp. We'll, we'll talk a little bit about that in a minute, but um, because mm-hmm. of the way that, that your organization works, you spend a lot of time um, with people who are on the receiving end of short-term mission teams, um, people who work all over the world, um, as well as you guys do send to short-term mission teams. And so I, I, I wanted to, to talk a little bit about um, about short-term mission and really specifically um, the the things that you need to, the youth pastors need to think through and, and look out for because short-term mission trips can be um, really formative and, um, and can be um, a really great thing in all all the way around for the people who are receiving short-term missioners and for the people who are, are going. Um, but right. it's also fraught with all sorts of things that could go <laughs> horribly wrong on all sides. So, um, yeah. so I, I just kind of at the base level, what are some of the big, um, big problems that people can encounter on, uh, uh, doing short-term mission. Yeah. So that's, I mean, what you said is so true. Uh, short-term missions is one part of what we do here at CFAT and it's a really important part, uh, of ministry, right? Uh, because it's so important, it also re- receives a lot of criticism, um, mm-hmm. and and that's warranted, right? Uh, there's a lot of organizations that do short-term missions and there's a lot that do it well and a lot that do it poorly. Um, a couple of things that uh, I think are really important for when you're thinking about short-term missions, um, when you're thinking about missions in general, be that international or local, right, is uh, why are you going, right? Are you going out of a, uh, is it like a requirement, you know, that uh, right. you feel like you need to do? Um, or is there a purpose, right? Is there an actual need that is being met by you participating? Um on an international scale, uh, it's important to know, like, how is this affecting a community that's not your own, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and on a local scale, that that's true. But also, um, is this something that is it a, is it a short term and we're just going for a weekend, or is it a short short term as in the the need isn't sustaining? Um, it's just something you need to go and, and and help with, right? Like a disaster relief or something like that, right? Um, so those are like the, the big broad stroke things to think about. Um, as far as partnering with an organization, that's like another thing. Um, my and, first recommendation, most, my recommendations. Most people, yeah. you know, do start, you know, 
don't just get on a plane and show right. up somewhere. So, you know, I, I know the, evaluating the organization is, is really important, but what, what are, what are some of the things before we kind of get there that, that you've, you've seen um, that you guys have received stories of either firsthand or from um, the, your, all of your contacts and all of your work um, of, of how things have actually turned the corner from being a good thing to, to actually causing some, I don't want to say harm, but maybe harm, you know, mm-hmm. um, either personally or with, uh, with the culture or, or the organization. What, what are some of the things that you guys have, have seen? Yeah. So we've had uh, a couple teams um, that, or a couple people that have come to us with concerns saying, uh, you know, like on our last mission trip, we went and we were putting roofs on people's houses, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, which is awesome. Like that's something that is needed, especially in the U.S. Um, there's a lot of a lot of places that you can do that. Um, organizations you can partner with and do that. Um, but they're like, we put this roof on a house, and the house should have been condemned, right? Um, there's like structural problems with the housing. One of the houses uh, that a team was working on, they didn't have plumbing in the house, mm-hmm. um, and so it's like okay, is that, is that the best use of our time and our resources, right? right, uh, right. Is, is to fix this roof or do we need to like prioritize something else? Um, mm-hmm. And then there's, there's, we've had, so that's like one small example. We've had other examples of people saying like, okay, uh, we're going on, we're going to this mission project and uh, we're going to work on someone's property. Well, it turns out it was the property of the organizer of the missions. Um, like his personal property is like a, a rental house of, of his. And they kind of just were used as free labor, labor right? Um, no one was living in the house on that property. Uh, it just needed to be painted. But it wasn't like benefiting an individual um, that was in need. It was benefiting one by subsidizing like helping with their cost of maintenance <laughs> right, um, right those are like red flags uh that have have caused harm right and have been caused harm probably more for the people going on those trips mm-hmm. um like the people actually serving than it would for the people receiving that right that's because what that does is it creates a negative association with mission work right right um And we see this like throughout all of culture, your first impression is super important. uh, And that that's is going to, you know, set you up to be successful in the future. So uh, having a bad first trip could set you up with a lifetime of, uh, of, of concern where if you had a great first trip, you have a lifetime of commitment to missions, um, what we're trying to do, right? Like as the body of Christ, that's what we want. Um, And so, yeah, those are like some of the, the the stories we've gotten, and that we are constantly, constantly thinking of, uh, mindful of as we plan our missions, as we talk to other mission organiza- uh, organizations, and uh, and work through those those problems. Yeah, yeah, and I think the other piece that kind of on the flip side of that is you've I, I've been. Uh, with people, you know, on, on several different groups, you know, in several different parts of the world and the United States. And um, there's also a tendency, there's sort of an American tendency to think that we know best. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and so to say, oh, we were working on 
this house like that like you said that that should have been condemned or it didn't have plumbing but we were putting a roof on or you know and, and there's a there's this other side that where um the people wherever you were going that have expressed this need um sometimes the the needs there the the culture there the resources there uh are very different than uh than back home and mm-hmm. uh and coming in and saying oh well we shouldn't be doing this because uh because their standard of living doesn't meet ours um can mm-hmm. be problematic um especially when people begin expressing that in on the trip right to you know right. in in the homes or on top of the roof as they're working on it um uh, because the reality is you know for in some places i mean plumbing is not a thing right and uh but rain is <laughs> mm-hmm. no that's definitely true yeah and i should clarify with those other stories the what what ended up happening was they put a roof on the house right that could have been condemned and the person actually had to move because of the other things. So the work they did, uh, you know, felt it, it, it kind of goes back to that first impression. It felt, uh, unimportant, right. right. To that group. Yeah. Um, versus like, yeah, if you're in, you know, the Mambala plateau of Northeast Nigeria, you're right. not going to worry about does a building have plumbing, right. When they don't have a roof. Um, right. and so just, I think it goes back to your planning of like, where are we serving and what is the purpose of us being here? Yeah. Um, And I think that, I think that's really important. And I think it's also, you know, when you're, um, you know, another kind of in that same vein is there are sometimes that, uh, when you're asking like, what are we, why are we going? Um, Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, kind of along with that, are we able to do this work? Right. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I took a group of teenagers um, to do a roofing project probably 15 years ago. And mm-hmm. I didn't realize it was roofing at the time. It was one of these places that, that you show up and they just kind of tell you what to do when you get there. And, right. um, and, and they had us on a roof. And the whole time I'm thinking, these kids don't, they don't know how to roof. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and, and actually, you know, having lived a good bit since then and talked, known much more people involved in this, th- there are some of those organizations that put teenagers in, to work and then come back afterwards with contractors and rip off stuff and redo yeah. it, you know, right. which is just doesn't make any sense at all. Right. Yeah. yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. That's, so, that's- so it can go another thing that can go really wrong is like you've done really bad work. Yeah. <laughs> like you did not right. know what you were doing. You followed yeah. the the you know college student site, you know, director person's instructions, mm-hmm. but neither of you have done professional construction work. Right. Yeah. Another horror story, um, if you will, for a missions uh group we had. Uh that this was a different organization they had worked with several years ago, and this organization is not around anymore. Um, but they they went and they built a wheelchair ramp on a lady's house who was recently uh, bound to a wheelchair, uh, which is awesome, right? Like that's great work to do. They had a college student, just like you said, working there. 
and they built the wheelchair ramp. Well, turns out the wheelchair ramp wasn't to code and the lady, uh, that lived there um, couldn't get her house like her insurance wouldn't cover her house because of this new wheelchair ramp. So she either had to tear down the wheelchair ramp um, or build a new one. Right. And end up having to put a new wheelchair ramp, like tear, tear down the one, the group build, uh, build a new one and pay for it out of her own pocket. Right. So it was like, yeah, kind of a worst case fiasco there where uh the, the project meant well, but the students weren't equipped to be successful. Um, and so, yeah, that's right. like a huge, huge part of it. Definitely. So that's, those are some of the, the things to look out for. Uh, and then mm-hmm. I, I think one other thing uh, I was on a, this was not a mission trip, um, but it was, uh, we were in another country and uh, it was kind of somewhere in between a mission trip and a vacation. But I was with a group um, and, uh, of college students and, um, and we were, were walking, um, walking by uh this area and they all the college students were um remarking on how poor the people were mm. and mm-hmm. um and how poorly they treated their animals and you know how just very um you know i mean to be honest just arrogant right mm. and um uh and it was where people it wasn't something that was like at a debriefing session back at the hotel. It was around people from that, that area. And right. the, the whole time it, I was so embarrassed uh, mm. that th- they were saying these things and, and they honestly, they were just the, the college students were just ignorant. Like, I don't think they were malicious. Um, and right. then at one point in the trip, um, they wanted to see, how somebody actually lived and they saw this like house um, that was that people were living in more of a hut really. And they wanted to see if they could tour it and like walk around and look at it. And, um, and the, the tour guide, the native tour guide said he didn't think that would be a good idea. And they said, well, would you ask them if we could pay them to do that? And they the tour guide did. They paid the person. I stayed outside. I was kind of horrified at, at the whole thing. And and they they walked around and remarked on how they couldn't live like this. How they couldn't imagine that people. It was just crazy. It, that's like yeah. an extreme version of that, obviously. Um, totally. But you can do a lot of damage um, by not having sort of cultural sensitivity, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, that's definitely kind of a worst case scenario, right? Um, because no one, nothing good happens from that. Uh, the people living in that house, right? Uh, one kind of have their, their privacy violated and are, you know, subject to ridicule by this culture that maybe they've never been exposed to before, right? Like the, you know, the, uh, the students that were there and then the students that were there commenting on how poor they were um, kind of have a wrong idea first off of the idea of poverty. And then also of uh, 
that that's okay. But it all stands, like you said, from kind of a, a point of ignorance that we all have unless we're exposed to the realities of our brothers and sisters around the world, um, which is a, a big thing, you know. Right. Uh, so they, I'm sure that those students weren't briefed on that that wasn't an okay thing to do, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that you don't comment on how much better your house is than someone else's. Um, right. And so, yeah, that's just kind of a, another really important part, thinking of, of short-term missions is preparing, again, preparing the people going to be successful, right? right. Um, and equipping them to be successful in having, yeah, a cultural difference uh, meeting before you leave. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, watching a number of TED Talks on how people actually live. It's 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 interesting because we have, today we have such a, uh, immediate connection to people around the world. Like I could get on my iPhone and Google a picture of a house in the Philippines and there I see a house. Right. Right. Um, when I see it in, in real life, it's almost like, I don't know, meeting a a celebrity or being on the set of a movie or, or something like that, that, uh, you lose the humanity in that house because I've just seen it on a picture. I've just read about it online or something like that. Um, yeah. And so you can forget that the human aspect that this is people's lives. Like these are, this is all people have. This is like yeah. what they're proud of, you know, like they take pride in, in the place they live, just like we do in uh, the developed world, you know, right. um, that's, that's super, super important to have those conversations before you go. So you right. don't end up in a situation like that. Yeah. And I think some of the conversations that, that you have to have is, is like, when you're not, poverty tourist, right? The, the goal of this trip is not to expose you to the fact that there are poor people in the world. We can do that um, in other ways, right? We can, yeah. we can have all kinds of, of, of tools that are, we have all kinds of tools at our disposal to understand that um, we're, we're not poverty tourists, you know? And, and I think the other thing is um, to, to help them take that, processing a pause to process what what they're experiencing and what they're seeing like um mm-hmm. I, I remember when we were uh we were getting ready to go to uh i believe it was um bolivia um we ended up not going at the last minute the government was toppled um mm-hmm. but uh but we had some conversations with actually with some people at CFAT um, that talked to us about um, in some of the places we were going to go, there's going to be, we're going to see piles of building materials and, right. uh, and it, from a United States perspective, it can look like, man, these people are just lazy. Like they've got what they need to work on their house and they're just not doing it. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and the explanation that was given to us is that actually these are not signs of laziness, but signs of hope for the community that because of the way the economics in that area worked, when they had enough money to buy a couple of cement blocks, they would buy a couple of cement blocks because you never knew when those cement blocks were going to triple in price. And they would just keep buying the materials until they had them all. And then they'd start working. And so, you know, and and that's something that you would never know, you know, if you didn't have that help, and the mm. and taking the moment to process what you're seeing with people who mm. are there. So, all right. So we've we've I think we've done covered that ground for sure. But yeah. how do we? You know, 
I didn't know that about Bolivia, right? Mm-hmm. Um, luckily, I was working with an organization who did know that about Bolivia. Um, so how how do you try? How do you how do you evaluate organizations, uh, mission organizations that you're trying to work with? Um, what are some of the things that that youth workers need to look for um, to find an organization that's actually engaged in healthy short term mission work? Right. Yeah. So the the big question um, and the one of our our staple things that we try to do is we believe in in, in short term missions. Right. But long term partnerships. Yeah. Uh, and so asking questions like, well, first off, you know, how how is the money the students are going to pay? How is that spent on our project? Right. Like right. get a percentage breakdown if you want. Like just ask, how does that work? Um, and then ask, like whatever the project may be or the organization might be doing, ask like, how long have you been doing this? Right. right. Um, are you, do these, do the people we were going to like, are you, did you ask them if we could come help or did they ask you for help? Right. Like that's right. huge. Um, do they want to tell me a little bit more about that? What do you mean by that? Right. So like, f- for example, if you're just going on a short term uh, trip for in the U S building, uh, wheelchair ramps, right? Like right. did that person at that house contact organization blank and say, Hey, I just got a wheelchair or my mother just got a wheelchair. She could really use y'all's help. Um, you know, yada, yada. Can you guys come out? Um, or did that organization go to a community and see really, you know, run down houses and go and knock on the door, right? Not not that one is better than the other, but just knowing like, okay, are people seeking the help of this organization or is this organization in a in a stage of uh, going out and spreading, you know, that what they're doing, like their work. Right. Um and then through those conversations, there's some red flags that will come up if if uh if there's any problems, right? right. Like what like do you if, mean? Like if you have a uh, the director of an organization that has no idea what your project will even be. Right. right. Um, and you know, two weeks before you show up, right. that's probably a red flag. Right. right. Um, if they, if they give you like general answers are fine. Like, Oh yeah, you're going to be working on, uh, you're gonna be roofing a house. Right. Right. Awesome. You're going to be, um, making, uh, sandwiches and going to a, a local nursing home and hanging out with the residents. That's great. Yeah. Um, but if, if you call up and say, Hey, I just want to know, like, what do I, what do our students need to be prepared for? And they're like, Oh yeah, we're, we'll let you know we're, we're working on that right now. Um, mm-hmm. And then you don't hear back for a couple weeks. Like right. that's kind of a red flag of being, maybe that organization is, is trying, but uh, they just, they don't have those community relationships or, they're, they're, you don't want to go to an organization that is like drumming up work just for you to do. Right. Right. Yes, um, absolutely. And, and yeah. I think, and, and I think that's, that question is, uh, is doubly important. Um, when you cross over into international or, you know, deeply cross-cultural ministry, um, you know, the, the question kind of morphs, I think, to, okay, who, who is running this ministry, right? Like, mm-hmm. like, is it in the hands of locals? Um, right. Is it people there or is it Americans 
who have come down and are fixing a problem that the Americans saw. Right. Right. Oh my gosh. That's hundred percent. Yeah. Um, yeah. On the international side, everything, when you go internationally, all of the, all the problems as well as all of the, the positive outcomes, right. Are just magnified. Yeah. Um, and so there's an organization who for a number of years made shoes and you would buy a pair of shoes and they would give a pair of shoes away to a person in the developing world. Right. Right. And that came out of a really authentic experience that founder had um, Mm -hmm. while, you know, traveling abroad and said, I want to be able to provide this need right to people in this area. Right. Um, So this is the American sees a problem and it's going to fix it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And, and there was, it was an actual problem, right? Right. It is an actual problem. That's like a legit thing. You need shoes. There's so many diseases and uh, infections and uh, quality of life things associated with like making sure you uh, have footwear, uh, especially in a, a, arid climate right and like there's just so many things associated with that but uh what happened was they started giving away all these shoes in the developing communities and putting all the shoemakers right all the cobblers and suppliers right um out of business and the shoes like were awesome but then five years later the community was bankrupt because they had just lost a big chunk of their income you know and it was like uh, and that organization has since changed their uh, their way of operation and is way better about it now. But it was like, oh, we saw a problem that wasn't really a problem, right? Like the problem wasn't that people didn't have shoes. The problem was they didn't have money to buy the shoes from the local shoemaker, right? Yeah. Um, and so we saw a problem that was there, but we didn't get to the root of the problem. We right. got Band-Aid when we needed surgery. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Um, and, and there's all sorts of things when, uh, when the, the on-the-ground ministry is not run by people who are local that mm-hmm. be the, all sorts of just odd value shifts, right? Like one time I, I was talking to a person who was telling me about how they had been given some land in a, in a, country to, to do some stuff. And they, they, their first piece was to send their sort of American expert down there. And one of the first things that they did was in a tropical climate. And, uh, you know, in, in America, you, you've got to take care of your property, make it look good. And, and the way that you do that in America is that you mow the lawn, right? That's one of the main things, right? When people don't mow the lawn, it is a sign of laziness and they don't care about things. Right. So Mm -hmm. they, uh, they hired a person to cut the lawn to kind of be the groundskeeper of this land that they were working on. And, uh, and, and, but it was tropical climate. And and so, uh, as soon as they finished cutting the lawn, they would start back cutting the lawn. Right. So it was really like a a full-time lawn cutter. And, uh, and, and so, but this organization had that kind of mindset of raising up local leaders. So they had sent an American down to get things started who had the expertise, but it was very much, we train up local leaders and then we leave and we let them hand, they, we let them run it. And, uh, as soon as that happened, they turned it over to a local leader. They left, they came back a year later, uh, to kind of do a project checkup and, uh, and when they got there, all the Americans were kind of super offended because the the lawn wasn't kept. 
Mm. And there was the grass was super tall. I mean, this is a tropical place. The grass was over. You could barely see the buildings that they had built. Um, And they asked the guy, well, where's what what happened? He's like, well, here's the path to the building. Let me come show you. And they, they started talking to him and they, they said, well, we're really disappointed that the way you've kind of kept up the place. And he's like, what, what, what do you mean? He's like, well, the lawn's not mowed. He's like, nobody mows lawns here. (laughs) (laughs) He said, nobody understood why you kept doing that. And so, um, when you left, I kept that guy on staff, but I had him start a fisheries program. (laughs) (laughs) And now, and now we're feeding all of these people. And, uh, and making all this money for the community and uh yeah. and uh, but that but that is kind of an example of the way that like an indigenous uh leadership uh echoes the value of the local people and mm. knows and, and has a better knowledge of what the needs are than somebody from the outside right right and so I think that's it. that's one of those questions that we ask, like who's who's running this, who's identifying the needs, and it's right, yeah. What's, what's another what's another thing that we need to look at when we're looking um, at these organizations that we're partnering with? Yeah. Um, so an, another big thing is uh, kind of back to the the relational side, right? Mm-hmm. How long have you been involved in in this area, right? How uh, Who's running it, right? Is it a local person, an indigenous person, um, those types of things. And also like asking like, what are what are some of the problems uh, that we might encounter on the job site at this facility doing these works, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if the organization can't tell you like things that have happened in the past or problems they've had or things they've learned, right? Um, then that could be that doesn't have to necessarily be a red flag, but it could mean that like, oh, it's a new organization and they're you're on the cutting edge of of the ministry they're doing. And that's awesome. Right. Right. Or it could mean that, like they don't really care as much about the results as they do about uh, just having a program, you right. know. Um, right. And so if you, if you talk to an organization that's like, again, using the wheelchair ramp uh, as an example. Oh yeah, like we, we've been to houses before and these are like our policies in place if there's, if the homeowner is uh, rude to a student, right? Right. Uh, these, like this is what we do. Uh, if something sketchy happens, right? Like right. if you're in a rural area and, uh, or in a uh, urban area and, you see a drug deal happen, right? Like these are our policies. All these things are, you know, normal occurrences, right? Yeah. And don't necessarily pertain to the mission organization, but require some sort of action by yeah. that by that organization. So just asking questions, a lot of questions um, about the work you'll be doing, where your money's going, how the relationship was made, right? right. Um, and then like, what are, what do we need to be prepared for? Yeah. Um, and those types of things. Yeah. You don't want to go to an organization and they're like, yeah, we're going to put you at, you're going to go to this place and you're going to build a roof. Um, but we don't really know much about the area. And the guy seems kind of sketchy that you're going to put the roof <laughs> on. And, and you know, it's like those types of things. Um, that, that you want to make sure that organization has in place uh, one to keep your students safe. Right. And then also to make sure that the experience is good for both the 
receiver and the giver of that of that mission project. So yeah. Um, yeah, those are super, super important. Yeah. And and so I think the, the other thing, I think one thing that I haven't heard you say yet is, um, mm-hmm. you know, we uh, most places have some sort of health and safety policy in the, in the Methodist church. It's called safe sanctuaries. Um, right. But I think it's important to ask them um, to remember that it's your job to make sure that, that the organization that you're going to is going to abide by this sort of basic ideas of your safe sanctuaries policy. So, um, right. you know, I, I, I've, one of the things that I ask is, are your people background checked? Right. Yeah. And totally. And, uh, and when they say no, that is the end of the conversation. Right. Right. <laughs> uh, because I, yeah. at that point, I, I know that they haven't, they really haven't been responsibly thinking through that. Right. Yeah. Um, okay. how do you deal with, um, Rooming, mixed gender, those kind of things. Um, mm-hmm. You know, those just some of those basic safe sanctuary policy questions. Asking them, I think, is important for youth workers, uh, and it, and it's one of those indicators, like you said. Like, uh, do they do they have a do they know what they're doing or not? And then the other thing mm-hmm. is, like, just ask some basic theological questions. Yeah, like <laughs> I I went to a place, I took some kids there. And, um, I didn't, it was, I was just started this church recommended by the church administrator. Oh, this is great. You should take the kids. Mm -hmm. And I showed up and this was, um, two years after nine 11 and they, on the first night pretended that there had been a terrorist attack. Oh my gosh. And it was part of their program to scare kids into heaven at night yeah. after they'd done this work. And so like some basic theological questions can be really helpful because you, I mean, at the end of the day, there's so many of these organizations, right? And you know, yeah. you're going to, you're going to put this much money into something. You really do want to do something that is reflecting your values and, and what, what you believe. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's, yeah, that is so true. Um, yeah, like back to the background checks and making sure that that organization has done their homework, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's providing a safe environment. That's super important. Another thing I would add to that is asking like, what does the person we're helping, right? Like what is their background? Mm-hmm. Um, because you don't want to just show up to someone's house who you have no idea right. who they are, anything about them, right? Mm-hmm. That's super sketchy. Um, so yeah, that's super super important that they have that they have that information, um, and that information okay. is easily available with people that have those sort of long term relationships. When you're supporting organizations that are there for the long haul, they know the people. Right, they they can answer yeah. those questions. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, if they if you are going to work on someone's house, but the organization doesn't know that person's like last name, that is a, <laughs> a no go. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Uh, it's it's things like that. I laugh, but it is so. That's the reality. Like that happens all the time. Yeah. No. Yes. <laughs> yeah. A surprising amount of time. Um, well, okay. So yeah. I want to thank you for this, but before you go, um, obviously. Uh, you guys do uh, all kinds of stuff at CFAT. I know you train people from all over the world to go back to their parts of the world to to help make, you know, clean water available and stuff like that. But tell me, you know, 
what do you guys do with teenagers? Um, just, you know, five minute explanation so that if people want to find out more about you or about CFAT, they can do that. Yeah. So uh, real quick, CFAT, um, like Jeremy said, we uh, we train community leaders from all over the world on life saving appropriate technologies in order to meet their three basic needs of food, water and shelter. Right. That, that's how we got started through that, through partnering with uh, people from over 90 countries now around the world. We realized that in the U.S. Uh, and there's a there's a need for exposure to the realities of our brothers and sisters around the world. So here at our CFAT uh, campus in Lineville, Alabama, we have 176 acres and we have a global village set up um, with nine different countries represented. Each country has their own house that is built in partnership with the international student from that country uh, to be as accurate as possible um, to houses in that in that country. And so we br- will bring students in and they get to see our global village. Um, we can give them a tour. We have programming where they can actually live in the village for um, a night and cook over an open fire, uh, cook traditional meals, stay in a house. And then we also have a mock slum experience over a billion people around the world uh, live in an urban slum, uh, predominantly located outside of major cities where there's access to materials to, to build these houses. Um, so students will get to be exposed to uh, an urban slum and see what that is like before going to an actual slum. Right. So it's a great uh, experiential learning opportunity for students to to kind of go over those questions like we talked about earlier um, to wrestle with things wrestle with the realities of people around the world um, and with their own like you know uh, environment and how and how they grew up and and see the uh, compare and contrast those two so that's really really cool we also have uh, regular like team building activities we have a low ropes challenge course um, during the summer we have what we call our learn and serve summer experience which it's a four-day retreat sunday to thursday um, sixth to twelfth grade students uh, they come and we have summer staff that does like family groups we have a worship session we have uh, speaker who gives us like nightly talks uh curriculum that we work through as well as get to do all of our experiences um students can learn about appropriate technologies the same ones we teach to our international students all around the world like water purification uh gardening practices container gardening uh water distribution um and then like fuel efficient cook stoves uh different things like that so it's really an awesome awesome facility uh awesome experience especially if you're you're thinking about going international but you don't want to take that big step or if you just want to have a an environment for bonding and uh, learning for your students. Uh, Please check us out. You can find more info uh, at cfat.org or um, you can email me and my email is gochi, which is my last name. So it's G-O-C-H-E-Y S as in Sam, gochi S at cfat.org. Cfat is S-I-F-A-T. Servants Servants in Faith and Technology. technology. (laughs) Boom. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. You know, here's the thing. Evaluating uh, mission stuff, it can be really difficult. And and I know as a youth worker, when you sit down and get online to work, sometimes it can just feel overwhelming and, and really lonely. That's why uh, Youth Worker Collective exists, uh, to uh, help resource people like you uh, to uh, to evaluate mission stuff. And we've got all of that stuff. Um, games 
ideas, lessons, coaching, podcasts just like this one, all available at youthworkercollective.com. And more podcasts like this, youthworkercollective.com slash podcast. Mm-hmm.